0: Parody is one of the many reasons the NFL has become the entertainment juggernaut that it is today. Another reason is the lack of guaranteed money in contracts. The CBA is horrible, and it gives players the mindset that they need to cash in as soon and as often as they can before their time is up. With so many players changing teams to get their next check, the fantasy landscape is constantly changing. Now that most of the dust has settled this offseason, it's time to get the lay of the land. Let's run up the score. you're listening to run up the score a fantasy football podcast oh yeah welcome to run up the score everybody my name is donald Wagonblast. joining me is my brother scott yo and our good friend tom hillier hey everybody how we doing guys well yeah very well well i'm good all right yeah oh come on on, man tom had a long weekend (laughs) um so hopefully you guys enjoyed our little uh, mini episode that we dropped as a surprise on Saturday talking about our mock draft strategies. I actually need to thank Scott and Tom um, for actually having the idea to kind of put that mini episode out. Cause I was like, Oh, like let's just put the whole thing out it's an hour and a half long and who cares? And it actually made a lot more sense doing just the mock draft and then the strategies episode. So uh, kudos to the two of you.
1: Thank you. Uh, well-deserved. Thanks. But I think we're going to release a couple more of those throughout the year. Not every Saturday, but we'll give you guys something a Just
2: extra. as we see fit. You know, sometimes there's a lot to talk about and maybe breaking it up a little bit. Or, you know, if we have a little throw-in topic, something we think might you guys might enjoy or something we think might be a little more fun, maybe we'll throw it in as a mini-episode. Perfect.
0: So, we have a full episode on our hands today. We're actually going to be talking about the big off-season moves that have been made throughout the course of uh, of this offseason. Uh, I think May- March 1st was the start of free agency. We've had some some big waves made, and everything's kind of settled down now. There's still a couple people actually still lurking out there that we're going to talk about at the end, um, but most of the free agents, and actually quite a few trades, were made this offseason that have, I think, drastically changed how we look at certain positions and certain teams in terms of fantasy.
2: Uh, yeah, when you look at the the free agency it's interesting that like the top guys go like maybe right when the free agency starts you know and then like a couple weeks go by and then maybe someone gets in trouble or someone gets hurt in an OTA or something like that and then another guy gets signed and then there's those trickle down guys where there's teams fill out their rosters how it's interesting how free agency works
1: yeah I mean it started off real strong yeah I was checking Twitter like crazy And I was updating everyone I was with, even if they cared or not. I was like, oh, who wants to hear the the latest NFL news today? Yeah. So uh, I think I found maybe the right profession or hobby here where uh, people are actually going to care. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's what the Ruts group chat's for. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure our listeners would love to get a a view into what that looks like. Uh, I actually want to go back to something that Scott said, because Scott specifically said, some guy gets in trouble. And uh, we don't want to seem like we are oblivious to what's going on in the NFL, and we definitely don't want our listeners to be oblivious to what's going on in the NFL. So, yes, we are aware of what's going on with Ezekiel Elliott. Um, however, we as a podcast have kind of decided that um, until his suspension is levied or his, his the announcement is made about what is going on with him, we're not going to waste our time or our energy Moving him up and down our draft boards and anything like that. We're just kind of, we're, we as a podcast collectively are kind of in a wait and see period. But you need to be aware that Adam Schefter reported uh, late last week that a suspension is apparently coming. It's not going to be a long one, but it's going to be maybe one, maybe two games.
2: And then he starts throwing hands at the bar yeah. on a Sunday night.
0: On the Lord's Day, <laughs> he's getting, he's throwing fisticuffs at a nightclub. Um, so not a great look. I think we can all agree on that. But, uh, but until something is, is definitively given to us, we're not going to get into the hysteria of, oh, my God, what do we do with Zeke? Yeah. It's just okay? too no, much to speculate. Let's just leave it yeah. at that. Um, another thing that I want to mention, we are talking about offseason moves. We are not talking about the NFL draft. And the reason for that is because we are probably going to do another episode where we talk about uh, rookies that we're looking who may have an impact On the fantasy football season. So that episode is coming at a later date. So if you're listening to this episode expecting to hear about Leonard Fournette or Zay Jones or OJ Howard, they're not the guys we're going to be talking about right now. We're specifically talking about veterans of the league for at least one year who have now changed teams. Okay?
1: Sounds like a plan to me. And by probably going to do that episode, we are almost certainly. Yeah. Yeah, there's a
2: lot of guys that that are going to be very uh impactful. In that the, might have just the draft. been
1: showmanship on Don's part, <laughs> right. to, you know, leave them wanting more. A little mystery, but uh, yeah. I can't lie.
0: Yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, so like we, like both of my co-hosts have said, it was a very interesting off season, Um, and we talked about in the cold open the parity. Any player can go to any team at any time as long as they offer him basically the most guaranteed money. Um, which kind of makes sense because the first team that we're going to be talking about today is the Baltimore Ravens. Um, not exactly the juggernaut that they were in that miracle playoff run that they went on when they won their Super Bowl, but uh,
2: maybe because they used too much guaranteed money on Joe Flacco and probably, they don't really have much yeah, cap space.
0: Exactly. So because of that, they uh, they lost. Uh, oh my gosh, they lost Pitta and they've and Kyle Uchuck, and so they believe it or not, they've actually lost like over 200 targets. Steve Smith. Steve Smith. Steve Smith, thank you. I was like, I'm missing someone.
2: <laughs> well, um, it's a it's pretty big yeah. someone.
0: Yeah, so that, and,
1: you know, it wasn't necessarily cap space that did them in with those guys. Maybe Kyle Juszczyk, right. but, you know, Steve Smith, old. Dennis Pitta, old. Injured. Pitta was trying to play, obviously. Uh, hats off to him. His body didn't that was awesome. let him any last year, longer. But. Yeah.
0: Uh, but anyway, the people that they got to
2: fill in for
0: those targets are two very good options over the last
2: few years. Yeah. Uh, Two of our favorites that we've oh, – in yeah. fantasy, for sure.
0: One of them, uh, Jeremy Macklin, a surprise released by the Chiefs uh, be- because of the Chiefs cap issues, yeah, actually. Yeah, that's
1: really where the uh, cap right. issue came in.
0: And so that the Ravens are actually uh, able to get in on Jeremy Macklin and – do you guys hear that? Shut it down! Uh-oh. <laughs> it's our first shut it down of the year. <laughs> Who I are we shutting down? I believe – I think this something... is Tom, so I'm going to give it to Tom.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I'm just saying in the beginning of the season, you know, when you're mock drafting super early, like I had already admitted to, one of the the sleeper candidates was Rashad Perryman. Yeah, right. You know, and he had some hype around him last year and then you get to the next year and you don't forget that kind of thing. And you see him going late in drafts. We didn't even mention they lost um, or they still have Mike Wallace. My bad.
2: Right. But (laughs) (laughs) Kamar Aiken, they lost.
1: Yeah, they lose. They lose players. What have you. So you think that, you know, he's going to rise up and be a talent on the offense. Right. But uh, I think it's time to shut it down.
0: Yeah, I agree because I think the Macklin signing, if nothing else, shows a complete lack of faith that this Ravens organization has that Prashad Perriman's going to take the next step. Yeah. Because this was a late signing. This was after, you know, minicamps had started, this was after OTAs. And so, you know, they saw what they think they're going to get out of Perriman, and they were like, we need to make this move, and we need to make it now. Don't forget, the Ravens were also in contention to get Eric Decker, who we're going to be talking about in a little bit. So I, I, I agree with you completely, Tom. Um, for those of you, we kind of do need to explain this segment a little bit. Um, we are big fans of, uh, of John Taffer's Bar Rescue. Um, it's our binge watch on Sundays, or at least it's mine. I def- During the offseason, I definitely dedicate two hours of every Sunday uh, to watching the various reruns of of Bar Rescue. Uh, so I actually bought a little shut it down button. It kind of looks like the easy button from Staples. I'm showing it off to Tom and Scott like they don't know what it is. Uh, but um, but yeah, so when we feel like a player has exhausted his fantasy relevance, ran their course, we're going to shut him down. And so our first shut him down candidate of the year, unfortunately, comes before, the, before even a snap is had, is Brashad Perriman.
2: Yeah, and the Joe Flacco has never really supported three receivers in an offense, even though he has so many pass attempts. He he uses the running backs and he uses the tight ends uh at a pretty high level. So I think that uh losing uh you know, losing those guys and still having Perriman really doesn't help his cause too much anyway. Right. Perriman's still gonna be in the back burner, especially now with Macklin and all the other Ways that they use running backs and tight ends to catch passes. Speaking of running backs, great segue, Scott. They got the best one. They got the best pass
0: catching running back, in Scott's opinion, in the world, <laughs> in Danny Woodhead. And this was not a mistake. Danny Woodhead's signing was announced the same day that uh, Kenneth Dixon's suspension was announced. So they need a guy to fill that four week suspension that uh, Kenneth Dixon has. But as we know, with what Woodhead did to Melvin Gordon in his rookie year in San Diego, he can steal this job. And he's being drafted at a pace where people are like, well, maybe. There's no maybe. Even, if, even when Kenneth Dixon comes back, I think Woodhead has major value. He's a premier third down running back in the NFL.
1: And used on the goal line, which you don't necessarily expect. But given enough snaps there... You're gonna see that increase in production where you're getting touchdowns.
2: He's a very good goal line back and very good receiving back. Um, as much as I love him, I don't know if he'll be the workhorse guy. It seems like West is gonna get a lot of the carries, but I think that as the game kind of goes on. And with the way that the Ravens play, it's going to be like the Woodhead show for the first four weeks with how much they throw, how much they play out of the shotgun, and all those types of things. We
1: talk about how much the Ravens pass. They pass the most in the NFL the last two years in a row. And you listen to our quarterbacks episode, and we probably didn't even talk about Joe Flacco. So, what do you think is going to happen with that kind of combination? Little check down passes. Right. You know, they're going to drop back a lot, things aren't going to be overly successful and then you just dump one off to Danny Woodhead. And Easy I see that job. happening so much.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's happened Woodhead's whole career because he's shown how good he is at it. And, you know, it's fun to watch him in, like, the second half, you know, with especially with the Chargers when they were losing. You know, you could literally have Woodhead have maybe, like, two catches going into the fourth quarter, and then he gets this absolute peppering where he ends the game with, like, eight catches and, like, a touchdown and, like – a wild game so you you like you never know when it's going to come for him but it always ends up getting there. Yep. And
0: it all counts the same. That's right. Yeah. I mentioned Eric Decker, so let's talk about him now. We're talking about two wide receivers from the Jets who gave wide receiver one value or wide receiver two value with the Jets 2 years ago. Last year was a complete disaster, and now Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall are on two different teams. Uh Brandon Marshall's with the Giants, Eric Decker's with the Titans. Uh, Scott, I'm going to leave it to you. Who do you want to talk about first?
2: Um, I think they're both kind of in pretty similar situations going into uh, pretty good offenses, um, well-established game plan side of things. and um, I'll start with Marshall. Um, I expect him to score and score a good amount, maybe close to double digits, reset mark. But um, the yardage is where I expect a, a pretty considerable dip just because the Giants, you know, they're, they're a quick-passing type of scheme. They're, of course, going to be looking to Odell to do a majority of their, of their grunt work. And um, I don't see a ton of yards for him, maybe 800 or so, but close to that 10-touchdown mark, which puts him right on the fringe for, uh, for a good flex play.
1: I'm in the same camp as far as what you just said. I think double-digit touchdowns is a complete possibility, and I, I stat him out for around 800 yards, just the same. But what he brings and what Eric Decker also brings is is effectiveness and efficiency in the red zone. Something yes. that the Giants were totally missing. You know, their best option was Odell puts a double spin on some guy and then now yeah. he's open in the end zone. Right. Now it's Brandon Marshall can just trot out there and
2: Turn around and jump. Jump. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. So Eli's gonna benefit from that. Um I think the Giants as a whole will do do good things with Brandon Marshall, but as far as the stats go, which is the ultimate factor here. I agree with Scott Don. What do you got you? What do you say?
0: You sold me on Marshall. I mean, I, I I'm not looking at him as my second wide receiver this year, uh, which is what a lot of people were hoping for from him last year. Um, but you know, the, the touchdowns are always going to be there because he is such a big body target. And Eli needs a guy like that. You know, I'm thinking like going back, like Kevin boss, like Eli made him like a household name for a year or two just because he was a big body Plaxico. that Eli liked to find in the end zone. And Plaxico Burris was another perfect example. Um, I think Decker fills a similar role, but I still think he, he, I project him to much outperform Brandon Marshall this year because I think he's in a better offense. I think right now you got to say Mariota is a more lethal quarterback than Eli Manning, uh, who seems to be kind of on a regression um even though McAdoo's offense was supposed to "quote unquote" unlock him, right? Um, so we're still waiting for that. But until then, I, I'm going if I'm have to, if I have to pick one of these other two receivers, it's going to be Decker, and I think that's illustrated perfectly by the fact that we took Decker in our mock draft episode.
1: Yeah, and I think he's a more consistent week to week option than Brandon Marshall is. I
2: think he's startable every week. I think that Decker is the number one receiver for the Titans now. I think that's the big difference. Marshall goes to a team where he's the clear number two, whereas the whereas Decker, when he goes to the Titans, it's kind of up in the air where a veteran kind of assumes that role as the number one receiver, in my opinion.
0: And the only thing I will say to our listeners is you, you want to use caution with Decker. You're not drafting him as your number one receiver. Do not do it because – they are still going to be a run-first team. DeMarco Murray is still going to be the workhorse. They obviously want Derrick Henry to eventually take over that backfield once Murray's time has come. Um, so just be careful. I think he's a guy you can trot out as your wide receiver to every week and get great value from him, especially with his current ADP. But I think – I mean, let's roll with Decker, right? I, I'm, I'm confidently rolling with him if I get him.
1: Yeah, I yeah. mean, I've picked him up in a couple
2: mocks. He's going He's going too late right now. Like he always an, does. Entirely he's Entirely too late. He's a
1: perennially disrespected guy. average draft position guy. Yeah. Huh? Which you got to love also. Yeah.
0: Yep. So we've talked about a bunch of receivers. We talked about a running back. Let's fill out that flex option and talk about our first tight end. This is a guy who underperformed during his time in Jacksonville. We're talking, of course, about Julius Thomas. He's a Dolphin now, and he's reunited with Adam Gase, who is the offensive coordinator uh, – under which Julius Thomas had his breakout performances. Of course, he also had Peyton Manning throwing to him, but it was you know maybe some of that rag arm Peyton at the end there. Um, but Julius Thomas proved that he could be a lethal red zone weapon, and if he can get on the same page with Tannehill, and he ha- we know he has Gase's trust because Gase really liked to feature him against certain teams when they were together with the Broncos. So I think this could be a match made in heaven. The only difference is we still need to see Julius Thomas perform well without Peyton Manning.
1: Yeah, the only thing that you hear in the offseason about him is the Gase effect, you know? No one's talking about how, you know, athletic he is or what he's doing. You know what I mean? Like, he's you're only healthier. hearing that, like, that on-paper thing. So right. it's kind of like, it's a little bit of an ephemeral clue. Like, is it going to, is that something that lasts, Yeah. You know?
2: It's it's tough to tell. Um, I think that's why we all didn't rate him very highly. And but I think that, like Don said, if there's anything, you know, there's potential there. And um, with tight end, how up and down it can be, he could be a guy that I wouldn't surprise me if he's a guy that ends up getting picked up and then having startable value like toward the end of the year just because the tight end position is so volatile. But like you said, you know, there's nothing that they're saying that's reinforcing julius thomas as a football player they're exactly. just saying well he's with his old offensive coordinator maybe he'll score touchdowns again
1: yeah and in his defense when you look at the jacksonville receiving core last year they none of them produced no so that is if they all disappointed then you know it's not his fault solely right so the chance for uh a nice year is certainly there for him
0: let's keep it rolling with tight end shall we um we've got a couple of items that we want to talk about kind of as like a domino effect. So Jared Cook was the recipient of that miracle Aaron Rodgers throw in the divisional playoffs Great against catch. the Cowboys. Awesome catch. Uh he was a bit of an underperformer though uh for for the mo uh, for mo- for the most part Ugh. last season. <laughs> that was bad. Um so he then he goes and gets 10.6 million over 2 years from Oakland. That leaves an opening at the starting 10-end position in Green Bay, and they go out and get Martellus Bennett. I've been on the record on this show saying I love the Bennett move. He's the most talented tight end Aaron Rodgers has ever had at his t- during his time in Green Bay. So I'm all systems go on Martellus Bennett. I think I feel like you guys maybe aren't as high on him as I am, but I think you ha- must admit he's a very intriguing option this year
1: he definitely is and i mentioned it on the other episode but the the packers offense just hasn't really featured the tight end very much and it's not that i doubt his talents or anything like that it's just i wonder what the ceiling is for that position on that team and whatever it is he'll probably hit it but it exists somewhere
2: yeah i agree there's a lot of mouths to feed and you know i feel like every year it's like Jordy has a good season and then another part of their passing attack. And it's never the tight end. So it would be pretty surprising if it was Bennett, but Bennett is the one that he's had that could probably break that mold. I expect him to be a guy that you can start every week in fantasy. But um, that's
1: also not like a huge compliment in right, the tight yeah. end category. Yeah,
2: it's not like a big glowing compliment with you know in like a 10-man or 12-man yeah.
0: league. I don't think whether we're in a 10-man or a 12-man, 12, 12 though, any of us are going to be looking at Jared Cook as a starting tight end either.
1: Well, no, I'm not going to, but he's not terrible. I mean, he, we're talking about him for a reason, right?
0: Career underachiever, but he did. he's had those flashes where you're like, wow, like this guy could really be like the next big thing at tight end. But he's running out of years.
1: Yeah, he's been around for a little while. There was some hype around him back when he was in the Rams, and then he goes over to the, Char- or the uh, Packers. But he's moving a lot, which also doesn't indicate like confidence in him. You no, know what I mean? No. You change teams that many times and have just these – I don't even want to say peaks and valleys. That was probably his peak, that catch and everything like yeah. that. But like, he's just not a steady kind of guy. Especially
2: and- in the Raiders offense where they're looking to use their wide receivers in the passing game and they barely use um, Walford. I believe it was, and and a little bit of Rivera. You know, they used them very sparingly last year. That's how I expect Cook to be used this year as well.
0: Jared Cook wore number eighty nine his whole career and when he got to Oakland he asked Amari Cooper for the number. Like, here comes big Jared Cook. Like gimme your gimme your Jersey number. But Amari's, know, been this, Amari's been lifting this. Amari's
2: been lifting this offseason. He's like, yeah. You can come try and take it.
0: Yeah. One look at Amari <laughs> Cooper's uh, workout regimen this summer, and I think you know how that conversation went. Uh let's move on now to a revitalized wide receiver core in Philadelphia. All Sean Jeffrey and Torrey Smith both signed one year contracts uh to help out Carson Wentz, Jordan Matthews, Zach Ertz, and the rest of the boys in Philadelphia. What do you guys think?
1: I love it. You guys attacked me kind of a little for having him really high in my wide receiver rankings. But just having that big-bodied guy. He played alongside Brandon Marshall, and you know they were like the two towering wide receivers in that offense. Yeah. But now hes he's the only big guy. It also pushes Jordan Matthews naturally back into the slot where he excelled. And I think... You know, everything's in the right place for the Eagles offense. They got the new running back in Garrett Blunt, and I'm sure we're going to cover him too. But it's just very helpful to an offense that sustained a lot of drops, Yep. inconsistencies of where the players are even lining up.
2: Yeah, they had a lot of troubles last year. And I, I really like how you put it, Tom. It really puts the chips in order for them. Like they have Torrey Smith who can now also play the outside, and it gives Jordan Matthews two guys who – have at least respect around the NFL. Alshon's great. Torrey Smith, you know, up and down kind of. But it gives them more attention. That helps Matthews be more effective, helps helps Ertz be more effective. And, you know, their running game was actually pretty good last year. So I think their whole offense becomes a lot better. And I think if there's anyone that I want as a pass catcher, it would probably be Jeffrey just because he can get those touchdowns.
0: Absolutely. Um, So we're going to go to now a running back domino effect, Uh, a couple older guys and one younger guy that kind of pushed the older guy out. We've got Jamal Charles, we've got Adrian Peterson, and we've got Latavius Murray. Jamal Charles is a Bronco, Adrian Peterson is a Saint, and Latavius Murray is a Viking. I think the Latavius Murray signing was what eventually pushed Adrian Peterson out of the door. That was kind of like the last straw of like, okay, we're going to see Adrian Peterson in a different uniform. He was actually drawing interest from a lot of different teams, including the Denver Broncos. Uh, He ends up going to New Orleans, which now the Saints offense looks as vaunted as ever. And Jamal Charles ends up in Denver. So, uh, Tom, let's start with Jamal Charles. What do you see as Charles? Because I would say out of these three guys, his average draft position is the lowest. So what do you see from Charles this year?
1: Yeah, I think his is definitely the lowest. A lot of people have concerns about his health and that knee. Um, but when he has played, he has been otherworldly, you know? So it's crazy how low his draft position is with known production
2: just a few years ago. He's like my favorite dart throw out there right now. like, And he shouldn't even really be a dart throw in my opinion, but he has... So much upside, and the guy in front of him was literally getting. They were trying to replace him with practice squad guys last year, with like Capri Bibbs, and and you know, no, it's
0: Capri's son. Oh, that's the drink.
2: <laughs> oh, that's a real guy. No, his name, the man, Capri that's a man. Bibbs. Oh, great. Right. So Good they were trying him. to replace C.J. Anderson with someone like that. So if Jamal Charles shows any propensity of being even something close to what he was, he's gonna take that job. And if he takes that job, look out.
1: At the very least, he can be um, a third-down, scat-back kind of guy because you think back on the Chiefs when they had that uh, season where they didn't have a wide receiver get a touchdown. It was because they would literally split Jamal Charles out and throw him the ball. Yeah. So there's no reason to believe that they can't do that over there in Denver with him. You know, short passing attack is what we've been wanting Denver to do more and more. Yeah. So... Maybe they'll actually do it, and they'll use Jamal Charles in that way. Also, if you draft him really late, dart throw territory, and he, for some reason, is healthy and you know a, a complete game like uh,
0: changer, game
1: changer, then you got a great keeper if you're playing in a keeper league.
2: Yeah,
0: for sure. Cause he's going in the 13th, 14th, 15th round. I was not even close
2: to being a starter for your team, and with the potential that he could return if he's healthy which everyone is saying that he is which they weren't saying last year you know they were they were shady from the very beginning with charles last year this year they're coming out as more like he's ready to go type of deal so it's a guy that i'm definitely going to be paying close attention attention to during the preseason
1: yeah the updates on his health are going to be worth their weight in gold Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just going to try to segue into uh, Mr. Adrian Peterson. Well, I was,
0: I was about to say the updates on his health have been very good. He apparently looks like a gladiator of he, sorts in Saints minicamp. So I'm excited about him. I think there's no doubt in my mind he leads the Saints backfield by the end of the year. He might not be there at first because, you know, they do want to feign interest in using Mark Ingram until he fumbles the first carry of the game and they pull him. Um But, you know... It's one thing to have Mark Ingram fumbling and have a guy, a usable guy like Tim Hightower behind him. It's another thing entirely to have Mark Ingram, who's accident-prone, and then have a future first ballot Hall of Famer ready to come in. So I think the leash for Ingram is shorter. I think Peterson is out to prove once again that he can come back fully healthy, and I think that that puts a big chip on his shoulder, and we know how hard he can run with that chip on his shoulder. This is a guy who came off of ACL surgery and ran almost for the most yards in a single season in NFL history.
1: If there's a genetic freak in the NFL, it's him, right? I mean, so I think he can come back from the injury and produce again. And even if he's not, you know, former number one fantasy pick Adrian Peterson, he's still going to be in people's starting lineups and winning them games.
2: Yeah, and he, you know, he's never really been a receiving back, so I think that he's going to take more of the rushing brunt, and they're going to start to use Ingram as more of a receiver, which they have throughout his whole career. He's actually been a fairly productive receiving running back, even without uh, Adrian there. And I think that once Peterson comes in, he's going to actually take on more of a receiving role, and then that just kind of paves the way for AP to own the goal line. And with the Saints and how much they score – um, that's always great to have. The go- their goal line running back is can sometimes win you weeks.
1: And Tim Hightower was stealing a lot of the goal line rushing attempts from Mark Ingram. Right. So I can only imagine what Adrian Peterson will do. Oh, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Um, so we'll move now to the guy replacing Adrian Peterson. He actually also wears number 28, which is interesting. He won't anymore. I, yeah, I think yeah. He's, he Instagrammed that he won't wear 28 yep. out of respect for him, which is awesome. Uh, Latavius Murray, I would have been – thrilled about this pickup for Minnesota if they didn't draft Dalvin Cook because that kind of throws their whole backfield into disarray. Are they going to use Cook as a as a passing down back? Are they going to use Murray on the goal line only in kind of like the Matt Asiata role? Is Jarek McKinnon going to have some sort of value there? I'm really not sure what to do with the Minnesota Vikings backfield right now. And so in most of my mock drafts I've been ignoring it entirely.
1: One thing we do know is that they have a bad offensive line. Adrian Peterson was struggling. He was running for
0: his life. We're just talking
1: about how great he is, and he was struggling behind that line. So now you get a rookie. Now you get Latavius Murray, who doesn't have the most polished stats about him, let's say.
2: yeah.
1: Um, So I'm staying away too, Don. It's not my favorite backfield to own a piece of, but it wouldn't surprise me if either one – Becomes fantasy relevant.
2: I don't think that either one of them are ever going to take over the workload. Um, And I think that Murray is going to get the rushing carries and uh, the goal line attempts, which Asiata was like close to top 10 in the league in uh, red zone rushing attempts last year. So that shows a propensity to use one guy on the goal line from them. And it's obviously gonna be Latavius Murray over Dalvin Cook because of his size and he's gigantic how yeah and how effective that he was in that role for the Raiders um I don't expect a ton of yards but he's a kind of guy that he's going he's going pretty far down in the drafts too that if I'm in a maybe I'm in a standard league and I'm looking at my fourth or fifth running back I like Latavius Murray for his touchdown potential he's
0: got bi-week fill-in written all over him this year agreed um yeah, so hopefully it works out. Speaking of backfields that we have no idea what we're going to do with this season, uh, we've got the New England Patriots up next. They added Rex Burkhead in free agency, and then they picked up Mike Gillisley in restricted free agency. Now, we know they've re-upped James White. you got to think he's going to have a big role. Um, there's talks that they really like this kid DJ Foster, so there's actually talks that they're going to cut. Um, Dion Lewis, so that would be another name that we'll be keeping track of throughout OTAs and minicamps to see, like, what ends up happening with him. This is just um,
2: feeling too patrioty, right? I know. It's, there's oh, just yeah. too much. There. You just said five names yeah. as guys who could potentially play running back. And when you and start there's to probably going to be
0: a six by the end of the
2: season. Yeah. When you start to hear that, it, it makes me uneasy just just hearing it.
1: It's what they always have done. The last year was kind of a, an outlier in – their steady use of people and it was still hard to predict if you're a Dion lewis or james white owner and if you know that was like your only or a garrett blunt m- owner well yeah. yeah but if that was like your only fantasy football season ever then you don't have a clue what the patriots backfield is like
2: i think one of the reasons that that happened was because of brady's suspension too he misses four games and then they lean on Blunt pretty early, pretty heavily in those first four games and do well doing it and show that they're a good power-running team. And they just kind of rolled with it the whole year. And I think now with Brady coming back in, it it might be a little different. It might, it might not be, but I think that with Blunt not being there, who is running the ball could be different on every single play.
1: What I was also thinking is like you can say that there's a power-back role on the Patriots, but I just don't think Bill Belichick is like when he's assembling a team, is like, oh, I need this I need a power back role. He's like, okay, this is this guy, this is what this guy does, and I'm gonna get the most out of this guy right. using his unique skill set. It's not that cut and dry with Bill Belichick. It never has been.
0: Right. And I'm scared to even own any of them. That was perfect analysis, Tom. I'm like, you've got like a glow about you right now. That was really good. The outcast so far of the Patriots backfield. Ended up in a pretty cushy situation himself. Uh, we've got LeGarrett Blunt going to Philadelphia. Philadelphia was a team that inexplicably ran the ball with Ryan Matthews a lot in the red zone. LeGarrett Blunt led the league in rushing touchdowns. You get rid of Ryan Matthews, you put in LeGarrett Blunt. Even if they do the same exact thing, listen, LeGarrett Blunt's not running for 18 touchdowns again this year. Who is? He could get 12, right? I'm not, I don't think I'm crazy to say that. He could easily get you 12. You know, we I think- love
2: him as a group like compared to you know other rankings and and other groups doing rankings like we have him so much higher than like every other group and like, i'm still sticking to it because yeah. because of what you said the eagles have shown that they're going to run the ball coach peterson has literally come out and said the main thing that i want to do this year is take pressure off Wentz with the running game uh, that's why we went and got Legarrette Blunt. Is basically what he said. They've gotten rid of Matthews basically, and they have all little speed type of quick catch, quick pitch, Darren Sprolesy types of backs, and then they got the big man. So I don't know. It's the river's flowing through him, and I think it lead, it's going to lead to double digit touchdowns again.
1: I agree. I think Legarrette Blunt's been waiting for something like this for a long time. You know, yeah. he didn't always get his number called. In New England. And he's going to get his number called a lot. And if that did anything to keep him from aging himself, you know, yeah. not having a bajillion carries every year. Right. He's a, he's a candidate to be rock steady. His,
2: and if, oh, sorry, I, got and it, I was just going to say, it seems like he's put those... I hope, knock on wood, he's put those kind of childish mistakes that could get him suspended or get him in the doghouse type of thing behind him, which, you know, could just be a New England thing. But I guess we'll see how, how it moves on. I don't know. I'm just – I'm very big on him this year.
0: The a Football Life documentary on like Eric Blunt is going to be nuts. <laughs> it's like think about going back to his time at Oregon yeah. and how he fell in the draft and everything. It's, it's going to be crazy. Anyway, um, <laughs> moving on to our next – Oh, talking point.
1: I will miss him posing with the, yeah, uh, the that Patriots
0: cool. mascot. Yeah. I will miss that.
2: I think he'll get something cool going with the eagle. A little bird gang. Yeah, something going
0: on. He'll be flapping his wings. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh, moving on now, we've got uh, Mike Glennon. He was the big name quarterback acquisition this summer. He ends up going to the Bears. Moving on, we've got some receivers who are uh, <laughs> who are going to different teams. And a couple of these guys are draftable to me. Um, one of them being Kenny Britt, another being Robert Woods, and a guy who's always intriguing, especially as a bi-week fill-in, Teddy Ginn Jr.
1: Yeah, I really like Kenny Britt. Uh, I was looking at their PFF grades for wide receivers, mm-hmm. and it was really funny. Him and Terrell Pryor graded out exactly the same. Wow. Like, to the decimal. So. It's just an interesting thing that they went out and got someone who is the exact replacement, and they literally do play a very similar game. <laughs> yeah, and then they grade it out identically. So I think there's definitely room for him, and we've already mentioned how Corey Coleman is battling injuries again. So you know somebody's got to catch the ball, and they're going to be down a
0: lot.
2: Yeah, but, all the time, probably. Yeah, you know I don't have much trust in in a Browns receiver typically, but. You know, he did it with the Rams last year and all the chaos that went on on that organization. And it makes me think that he'll be able to translate and actually do pretty well for Cleveland. I also really like Woods, who actually now is the is one the- who's <laughs> filling in for Kenny Britt.
1: Which is why we put him together, but I didn't even realize it right there until I saw right. your eyes light up.
2: Right, exactly. So now he's the fill-in for, for Kenny Britt, and they have a whole new coaching system where he looks like he'll be the number one receiver. So... Anyone with a number one receiver tag, to me, has appeal, especially when they're getting ranked as the 50th best receiver available.
1: And he was very usable last year. I was actually starting him in uh, a few leagues.
0: Me too. What about Ted again? I I said bi-week filling, I feel like that's his ceiling, especially on the Saints. He's a
2: FanDuel legend. Yeah, he can
0: uh, bring
1: home the bacon in FanDuel for sure. I just think that the the Saints' offense has that. I know I was just saying, like, Bill Belichick doesn't have these roles, but I think the Saints' offense kind of does. Yeah. Because, you see, it was Kenny Stills on the deep routes, then it was Brandon Cooks, and now it's going to be Ted Ginn Jr. And the thing is, is I just don't think they value that role that much. Like, that's why they got rid of Cooks. But right. it still exists. He hopefully will just catch the ball. That's his biggest downfall. Well, I was about to oh, say –
0: He's really got two jobs with the Saints. Run faster than the guy that's covering him and catch the ball. And Unfortunately, he's... <laughs> he only does one of those things well.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I don't really know. So, but to my point, over the years, and I, I, it's not really true with Brandon Cooks, but that was always, like, Kenny Stills was a great bye week fill-in on the Saints. Right. So, when you say bye week fill-in, I think that's exactly right with him. Um, if you're trotting him out there every single week, good luck. It's going to be heartbreak sometimes. Yeah. But bi week fill-in, I'm totally cool with.
0: All right. Let's talk about Washington. They lost their top two wide receivers. Deshaun Jackson goes to Tampa Bay. Pierre Garcon goes to San Francisco. And to make up for that, they're hopeful, they're hoping that uh Kirk Cousins' chemistry with uh Jameson Crowder continues. He's they're hoping Jordan Reed stays healthy. They hope that Josh Jackson makes that sophomore year leap. Uh and they also got Terrell Pryor, who we just talked about. So I think uh I think it's a pretty interesting situation in Washington, but let's talk about the situation in Tampa Bay first. Tom, what do you think about the Sean Jackson this year?
1: Love him. We've talked about it before. Um, they were missing that deep threat. They hadn't thrown deep balls. Like they threw less than anyone in the
0: league. Basically. The only one I remember is that one where Jameis was scrambling for his life and literally just heaved it as high and as far as he could. And Mike Evans, and Mike Evans just happened to come down with it. That play was, that was awesome. It. Like that's all I remember.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I hope to see much more of that from Jameis and company. But I think Deshaun Jackson is is kind of similar to Ted Ginn, so it's a good, you know, segue into him. He does
0: both of those things that Ted Ginn needs to do well. Exactly.
1: Right. And for that reason, he is much more of an every week kind of player. You can get him in there every week. The problem is with him is, you know, he, he doesn't always stay healthy. But he doesn't have to be the home run ball guy, even though he's the king of it. he can get you by sometimes
2: so for me i'm in a bonus league and, and you know he's one of the guys that i'm targeting for sure this year i want to make sure that i have him as you know he's not going to be a starter for me he doesn't get drafted as a starter anyway but someone who i'm going to have on my bench and who i will play in those bye weeks um i just like the bucks offense as a whole and um He's gonna have some big games, and he can always hit that forty yard bomb and get that bonus. So that's that's where I see him as like a a guy who can come in as a bye week plug, but you know much better than Gid. You are rostering Deshaun Jackson the whole year, basically.
1: Jameis Winston is a bit of a a maverick, anyway. You know, a bit of a he's a slinger. Yeah, I think he's
2: been waiting for a guy like Deshaun maybe to start cutting it loose a little bit.
1: Yeah, so they could be a match made in heaven, or I I don't see it being a nightmare. (laughs) but you know i see it
2: being a nightmare more so for fantasy
0: owners than i do for you know the actual football product on the field yeah you know like it could be he could be a swing and a miss guy for a few weeks but like scott said especially in bonus leagues where you've got you know all these crazy bonuses that you can activate this is a guy who can go five catches for 150 yards no problem and you
1: you got to believe one of those is going to be a
0: touchdown yeah
2: for sure i think that so. he's going to be pretty Active, more active than he was maybe with Washington, where I think he's going to get more targets this year. Yeah,
0: So we're looking at Deshaun Jackson as a standard guy or a bonus league guy. I think Pierre Garçon is a much more... Robust. Yeah, I think it's a much more intriguing play in PPR leagues because he's going to be the only show in town in San Francisco. And, oh yeah, he's reunited with Kyle Shanahan, where he produced a 122-catch season. No biggie. Right? I, and he's going in double-digit rounds. With, I believe so what that was when
2: RG3 was playing quarterback. Correct. So not exactly the most consistent quarterback play. Back then, it seemed like it, but now, as we, as we have hindsight to uh, be our judge, shows it wasn't. So it makes me believe that he can do it with Hoyer, who has been proven to at least been an effective passer, a guy that Tom likes this year um i just love garcon he runs great routes he has great hands i feel like every time you watch them play he's out there making plays and the 49ers are going to rely on him so heavily this year that he's just going to get great volume
1: hoyer created an rb or excuse me a wide receiver one out of cameron meredith right so tell me who is going to usurp pierre garcon in his efforts to do that no one i don't see it so pierre garcon to me going to have a bunch of catches He could be definitely an effective guy in the red zone. I just think he has all of the fantasy ingredients that you would look for.
2: Yeah, fantasy is where skill meets opportunity, and and he's, he's overflowing with opportunity, it seems like.
0: So Terrell Pryor, then, is overflowing with the opportunity of going to a team that lost its top two wide receivers because now he's in a position where he can pick up a lot of those targets that Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon left behind. Again, like, I kind of worry sometimes. Sometimes I worry about, like, oh, he's a he's a fourth-year wide receiver. It was not his natural position. Like, is he actually going to be able to continue what he did in Cleveland last year where he was the only show in town? And then I see, like, videos of him working out, and I just fall victim to it. And I'm just like, wow, like, he's going to be awesome. So I don't really know what to do with Terrell Pryor. I'm sure I'm going to end up with him in one league just because I know I want to have him and just to see what it's like. Um, but I think he could definitely provide... Some wide receiver two value with Washington this year.
2: I'm very excited for him this year. I think he could even go up towards the wide receiver one value, with how much Washington is probably going to throw this year. How good Kirk Cousins has been over the last two years. You know, uh, injury probability I would call it with Jordan Reed, um, leading to a lot more targets for to go around. And you know, Pryor is just such a, a physical specimen. When you combine that with the fact that he played quarterback, so he's going to have a better understanding of what Kirk Cousins wants to do because he still kind of sees the game of football through the mind of a quarterback, which is pretty interesting from prior. Um, I think it leads to him really having a, a ceiling that could go you know, as high as a guy, even like like a Des Bryant.
1: I think that you're right, and I think that he's one of the guys that's going in that you know, the fourth round area that I could see shooting up to like first or second round next year. I honestly think he has that kind of potential. Um, I, I'm not calling for that by any stretch of the imagination, but I think he's going to be started every single week in every single league. Yeah. And that's worth a fourth round pick to me. He's going for next sure. to like Devontae Adams, who's a lot less sure of a thing. You know, yeah. so for me at that draft spot, and I don't know about you guys personally, but I lean Terrell Pryor right there rather than Devonte Adams, who I who I like.
2: Yeah, I you know when I had first made my rankings, I had Adams up, but I've been moving Pryor steadily up. And the cool thing with Pryor is that he kind of starts a a trend of consistent receivers that are right after him. So. Mm. Even if you want to take that that risk on him, if you want to call it a risk, I don't think it's going to be a risk at all. I think he's just going to return great value, no problem. But the guys ranked after him that you can maybe get on like a swing back of a round is like Edelman, uh, Fitzgerald, Crabtree. Crabtree, you know, like all of our guys. I know, I knew,
1: I knew exactly where you're going with that. Those are our boys.
2: Right? Yeah. So um, it just kind of sets up well the mocks that I've shown that I've done. I've really set up well to like go two running backs in the first two rounds take prior and then just kind of like steady it up with some other receivers. And I've really liked my teams. You know, one of the things that I was thinking as we were talking about this, like, I don't know if I would be too upset if I had all three receivers that we just talked about on one of my teams being, being Garcon prior and Deshaun Jackson.
1: Yeah. Risky, but you know, you only need two every week.
0: Right. All right. So let's move on now to the guys that we want to highlight who are involved in traits. And this one, we kind of have these, we, we have four guys that we want to talk about and they're kind of ranked by order of importance. So number one, oh, obviously the big one, you're is Brandon Cooks, Marshawn the Patriots.
1: Lynch hater. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was the most important one.
0: <laughs> it wasn't cooks going to new England.
1: No, I think it's definitely. All Mar- right, well not. then
0: let's talk about Marshawn Lynch <laughs> and explain why. Go ahead, Tom.
1: Well, it was a trade that lit the sports world on fire, folks. That's why, Don. Everyone's loving it. Everyone. Jack Del Rio's tweeting out videos of Marshawn going crazy yeah. at practice. The, the Raiders' Twitter account is tweeting out hype videos of just Marshawn. People are going nuts. He's going to be overdrafted like crazy, which would bring a smile to your face that I've admitted that. But he's still going to be very usable. They had Latavius Murray score an exorbitant amount of touchdowns, and it's wild to think that Marshawn won't be able to do that. Don sees that as his ceiling. I see that as his floor.
2: I think it's, it will fall, you know, maybe somewhere in between that. But, um, yeah, I mean, Marshawn definitely had the most hype around his trade, had the most hype around it. Hubbub. Yes. Yeah. That's a good word for it. But, um, I think cooks has the most impact to a team because of how good the Patriots were already and how, much better they're going to be with the addition of, of such a playmaker. Um, I think Marshawn, like, I, you know, like I said, it'll fall. I think he'll do a little better than Murray because I think that the Raiders as a whole will kind of let him get more carries as opposed to the, the younger backs. But, um, I don't know. I think, I think either way, they're both pretty, pretty impactful trades for the landscape of the league.
1: For me, the Patriots are already so good and so loaded that I think it could marginalize the importance of Brandon Cooks in an offense. I don't. I'm not calling for him to be stinky or anything like that. Right. But you know, I don't think Edelman's going to be affected. I don't think Gronk is going to be affected. So unless he's hurt, who is who? Like, where are these targets coming from? You know, they got all the gadget backs and everything that we spoke about. So I know he doesn't. Amendola's need... <laughs>
0: got to get his. You know.
1: <laughs> I know he doesn't need a lot to make a huge impact. Brandon Cooks. But, you know, if if we're playing that game again.
0: And who knows, I, they not, might use him out of the backfield.
1: I'm not putting him yeah. in to get a goose egg like he did last year, you know? That was so, so bad. If yeah. if that's the argument that he only needs five targets, then you know, I'm gonna look elsewhere anyway. Yeah. I'll go to my Deshaun Jackson's rather.
0: All right. So we kind of covered both of those at once, so I think we I mean I don't think we I feel like our first like side bet of the year is going to be between me and Tom about Marshawn Lynch. Like, I could just feel it coming like where I'm just like, all right, let's do something about it. But anyway, um, you're on. Yeah, probably. Uh, we'll update you guys, uh, in a future episode about what's going on with the Marshawn Lynch bet. Uh, we're moving on now to Dwayne Allen, another Patriot trade. Uh, he goes from the cult way the Pats. less exciting, so much less exciting. Like there's four trades that are noteworthy. And one of them involves Dwayne Allen. Like it's like, Trades never happen like this in the NFL anymore.
1: Yeah, he's not the most uh, excitable player, but the Patriots do well when they have two good tight ends playing. We talk about how they lost uh, Martellus Bennett, so they got and replace him with Dwayne Allen. Makes perfect sense to me. Very valuable if Gronk is hurt. Otherwise, maybe just going to make people angry about when he scores because no one was going to be starting him.
0: And definitely going to make Gronk owners angry when he scores. Yeah.
2: Yeah, he'll fill that, like, Scott Chandler random two-touchdown week where you have Dwayne Allen on your bench. You're like, ah, I should have played him exactly. type of thing. but who but, could uh, possibly no. Right, but other than that, you know, unless Gronk gets hurt, that's it. it. It ends there for Dwayne Allen. All
0: right, our last trade is the contract in the NFL with the least amount of payoff for investment, uh, Brock Osweiler was so bad for the Texans that they sent a second-round pick to the Browns just so the Browns would absorb Osweiler's contract. ROI. I, I don't know. Maybe he wins a starting job in Cleveland, Like, but does it really matter?
1: I don't think that they even should want him to.
2: Yeah.
0: Because it's kind of like the way they compared it
1: to this trade was like um, an NBA-style trade where right. you can – Give them the contract and then they can dump him, and the money is no longer involved. So it's almost surprising to me that it's taken this long for them to get rid of him.
2: Well, the reason why is because the Browns have like a ton of cap space. Yeah. So they're technically not, they're not really in any situation to, there's no reason for them to cut him yet because they don't owe him like a ton of money just yet. And, even if they pay him throughout his whole contract, they're still very covered under the cap space, so there's not really much urgency. I don't think they're just trying to see, like, you know, maybe maybe there is something there. But um, if a team is literally giving up a second round pick who's a starter and the guy, it's Tom. You weren't
0: like, as ready to admit that Brock Osweiler was from Arizona State. Any particular reason why? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> just because he stinks. <laughs>
1: He's stunk in Arizona state. That's the craziest thing. I don't even know how But he he's six, eight. <laughs> yeah. I don't know.
0: That's why <laughs> only player in the NFL as is tall as LeBron. That's maybe that's something, huh? but it looks like it's not. Um, we've got one more player. We're going to talk about. He's actually, he didn't switch teams, but he's somebody that you need to have on your radar. He's definitely on Tom's radar. We're talking about Martavis Bryant. Now he was basically Ooh, yeah. a free agent. Cause he was suspended without pay for all of last season. But he is returning to the Steelers. Uh, We know that they've got Roethlisberger throwing Antonio Brown. They used Le'Veon Bell a ton out of the backfield and lined up as a wide receiver. Um, Martavis Bryant had some really great performances with the Steelers over the last few years before he was suspended. He's on his last straw. Maybe that means something. Maybe it doesn't. But he's definitely a guy that we need to be looking at. Uh, And, Tom, why don't you explain why?
1: He's a playmaker. Um, When he has the ball in his hands, good things happen. Even just a screen, a simple screen pass, he finds his way to you know, the clearing and can score. It's, it's wild to watch him play. And when you see that, it stinks that you haven't been able to watch him play as much as you'd like. So for me, people are going to be avoiding him to some degree. I think there's you're either hot or cold on this guy, you know, and if he falls at all. I'm all over it. I might even be reaching down for him. I might even keep him in our league because I rostered him at the end of the season Savvy. just in case <laughs> I wanted to keep him. and things are looking like you know it's a real possibility.
0: yeah it's a, it, he's an interesting option. You get him basically for free in the tenth round and uh, I, because he was a free agent pickup that was that's our rule if you if you uh pick up a guy in free agency, you can keep him, but the cost is the tenth round.
1: yeah, and I think he can turn into an every week starter.
2: I think that's he, where he's getting drafted, and it's just a little too rich for my blood. He's
1: rising, though. so that's yeah. what, He's rising, not to talk about our personal league too much, but he's rising. And so like that value discrepancy is getting a little more rich to me as the days go up by.
2: All right. I see what you mean. For me, it's just they have Brown and Le'Veon who are going to get so much action that Bryant's game's are going to be so his big games are going to be so hard to predict and no one really talks about that a lot of his big games like haven't been with ben roethlisberger like a lot of his better games that game where he had that long screen and broke all his tackles that was landry jones playing quarterback i'm pretty sure yeah because i was was,
0: i was actually about to bring that up because he had a two he had two touchdowns in that game and they were both with landry jones and all or nothing the season with the arizona cardinals which by the way is a fantastic series that is um but yeah like like that sticks out of my head and let's not forget what this man did in his last game. This is a guy who caught the ball, his arms were underneath oh, his I love legs. That. And he was doing almost like a somersault and his head landed in the end zone, and that was why he got the touchdown against the Bengals. It was one of the greatest catches you will ever see. He can do so anything. He's so the cool. ability, as Tom you mentioned, is there. It's just a matter of Number one, are you going to be the kind of guy to take a chance on him? And number two, is he going to fall enough to where you feel like you're going to get a good value on him? And I think right now, ninth, tenth round. If you didn't take a quarterback and a tight end, you probably have three wide receivers. So if you can get him as your first receiver off the bench,
2: that's he's that's going a pretty much better than that. I yeah, just...
1: yeah, he's gonna he's he's rising up. And the thing that makes me like him a lot is you listen to. Uh, people giving advice last year it's like oh sammy coates he's gonna be huge you know blah blah, blah. he had his chances and they always try to get that other person in
0: eli the rogers eli we- eli marcus Ro- Wheat. yeah you
1: can add the production of eli rogers and sammy coates together to equal one martavis bryant this year
0: Maybe. Maybe. He could probably way outperform those two. Well, I mean, Sammy or Coates— Or he could
2: easily way underperform that number.
1: So, so that's, <laughs> that's the hot and cold. But Sammy Coates had like 500 yards and a few touchdowns. You add on— um, So did Rogers. Whatever Rodgers had. Exactly. And I think that neither so of those—
2: So you think he's a 1,000-yard, 10-touchdown receiver this year? Or are you just hoping that as your keeper? <laughs> I think that he could be. <laughs> Scott— <laughs>
0: All (laughs) righty, so that's actually going to do it for players who switch teams. Now we're going to kind of talk a little bit about coaches who switch teams, and especially with coaches, you really got to kind of wait till you see the product on the field to kind of feel their effect. So we're just going to kind of quickly go through. I think the number one thing that we like is Kyle Shanahan going to San Francisco. I love his offense. He produced the fifth-best offense in the history of the NFL last year in Atlanta. However, I just don't think he has the pieces to pull that offense off in San Francisco yet.
1: I think that's the most interesting coaching uh, change, bar none, this season. Uh, He's very effective. He's proven successful. So, you know, it gives me hope about my Pierre Garçon. It gives me hope about my beloved Hoyer. Right, yeah. You know, so I just— Hoy wonder. (laughs) That's a nice one.
2: Thanks. And I think a lot of people are very concerned with Carlos Hyde, and everyone's saying— Oh, he's going to have to compete for the starting job or whatever. Shanahan showed last year that Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman could both be number one running backs in fantasy on the same team. So I think that you know there's a little difference there. Maybe, maybe Hyde actually has a little more value than, than people think. But I'm interested for Shanahan. Can he get those receivers as wide open as we saw them throughout the season for Atlanta last year? The next change we're going to talk about is Doug Marone, who along
0: with like Bobby Bonilla had one of the craziest contract constructions I've ever seen in my life. Buffalo, he had an option to just quit his job with the Bills and then the Bills would still pay him $3 million. Obviously, he takes that option. He ends up coming down to... Uh, Jacksonville to be the Jags offensive coordinator. He then gets promoted to the interim coach and then he keeps the job along with new vice president of football operations, Tom Coughlin. Uh, we all think this spells less volume in the past game, specifically less opportunities for Bortles to throw crippling pick sixes, um, which could be a good thing though, because it's, it could maximize the talent that they have at wide receiver in Marquise Lee and Allen Robinson. And we know that Fournette might be um, a featured I think it's an interesting move. I just don't know what to make of the Jacksonville offense. I do want a piece of it in some way, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've always kind of been on the fantasy production side of things with Jacksonville. We can see where it comes from, and we've always kind of had their back, so to speak. Right. But I think their offense construction is going to change a little bit due to this. I, I do see more rushing attempts in their future, but... It's tough to just anoint that a thing without witnessing it yet.
2: One of the big things that um, everyone said that once Marone came in, they started to move Alan Robinson more around the formation as opposed to just putting him outside and having him go one-on-one with the best corner on the other team. They try to put him in a couple of different situations, get him more open. That's the one thing that I'm looking forward to. I'm, I'm hoping that Robinson kind of has a back bounce-back year with, with that new uh, that new look for him. All right, so we've got Sean
0: McDermott going to Buffalo now. And he's it's his first head coaching job, uh, so not a whole lot to go off of. We just hope that he continues to feed Shady, and maybe he could be the guy to kind of uncork Tyrod Taylor. But other than that, I don't really know a whole lot about the guy.
1: Yeah, Sammy Watkins' health could give this man job security, really.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Same with Lashawn McCoy.
1: Absolutely.
0: All right, let's let's just kinda let's just kind of keep moving let's on. Let's burn through these yeah. ones. Uh, Sean McVay, the youngest coach in NFL history, goes to the Los Angeles Rams.
2: Todd Gurley loves his new offense. Kirk to Cousins Todd was
0: a pretty big fan of his offense last year. He produced a, his first career 5,000-yard season. Let's just be um, happy Jeff Fisher's
1: no longer there. Yeah. If you're a Rams fan or fantasy. I kind owner. of
0: love Jeff Fisher, though, but you know, like sometimes I hate him. I was kind of <laughs> neutral on him, kind of like his record with eight the Rams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, next, we go to Vance Joseph, who goes from Miami to Denver. Uh, he was actually considered for the Denver job when they hired Gary Kubiak. Gary Kubiak retires, so Elway goes and says, Hey, I know we didn't hire you the first time, but what are you doing tonight? Yeah, he's a, Here we uh, go.
2: he's a Kubiak guy, you know, um, coached under him for a lot of years. Um, I expect the Broncos to kind of, they brought him in as like a very calm, composed type of presence, which makes it seem like they just want to keep the ship sailing. More of the same. Yeah, exactly.
0: Interesting, he actually kind of beat out Kyle Shanahan to get that Broncos job. I'm sure Shanahan would have loved to have those offensive weapons. Yeah, in Denver. for sure. Uh, and then we've got Anthony Lynn going to the Los Angeles Chargers. Good job, Didn't mess it up. Way to go.
2: <laughs>
0: it's been a good day.
2: <laughs>
0: um, Anthony Lynn was the interim head coach under uh, after the Bills fired Rex Ryan. He was the running backs coach in Buffalo. Shady McCoy was a big beneficiary of him. And now I look at a young running back like Melvin Gordon with stars in his eyes, and he's ready to rumble. And I think that that's a big improvement. I think that's a big sign that they want to feature Melvin Gordon more and more in this offense.
1: Yeah, any coach that's position-centric obviously bodes well for the player of that position. That's inarguable, really. Yeah, for sure.
2: And I think that the Chargers have been so throw-heavy over the past couple of years that bringing in someone who maybe knows more about r- the running schemes could kind of help balance their offense. They out were of very
1: throw heavy and it almost makes me a little bit nervous for Phillip rivers and his, his fantasy value, but he's still not that this is the subject of today's podcast. He's still one of the guys I'm going after late in, in drafts.
2: Yeah, me too.
0: All right. So that's actually, that's it. We got through it in under an hour. Gentlemen, way to go. Um, uh, yeah. well, Not if you keep blabbing. All right, sorry. Um, <laughs> thank you guys very much for listening. Remember, we are still running our promotion where we want to get as many five star reviews on iTunes as possible. So leave us a five star rating, ask us a question in that review, and you can uh, and we'll answer it. We're going to look to answer those towards the end of August before everybody gets drafted and before the season gets started. Uh, what else do we need to say at the end of the episode, Tom?
1: I love everyone <laughs> who's listening. I love Don. I love Scott. <laughs> Follow um, you too, man. <laughs> fo- follow us on Twitter at RutsFF. We're also on every social media at Being RutsFF. Yeah, uh, which Don, is really
0: good that we've unified all of our social media accounts. Don
1: too. is at Why So Serious. I am at HillierFF. Scott is at WagsFF.
0: And uh, Scott, say something nice for the people before we go. Yeah.
2: Run up the score. All right.
0: Until next time, everybody. Keep scoring.